0: You know, I don't really need any help getting excited or being excited, but when you give it to me, you better look out, okay? Chris, you might have to turn me down this morning, man. I might get a little, I might use my coaching voice, and uh, if that happens, you just turn me down, and I'll just scream a little louder. Uh, I I love the Word of God. I'm excited about the Word of God. Uh, Today, we're going to be at the tail end of Acts chapter 18, and we're going to fall into the beginning of Acts chapter 19, so go ahead and turn in your Bible, Acts chapter 18, we'll begin in verse 23, and then we'll go into chapter 19 all the way through verse 12. You know, uh, sometimes we use words in church, and we just expect that everybody knows what those words mean. And they know uh, how to use those words in life. And uh, I want you to know as a church, that's a mistake. We shouldn't just assume that everybody knows our church words. We shouldn't just assume that everybody knows what a word in the Bible means. We should be willing to explain those words and more than that, live those words out loud. We should be visible demonstrations of the Word of God to people. Uh, In the church, yes, but outside the church, very importantly and most importantly. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about a couple of those words that I believe we will see fleshed out. We will see those words lived out in Acts chapters 18 and 19. I'm just going to throw those words at you right now. Who is a disciple? What does that word disciple mean? Who is a disciple? And when you think about a disciple, what does discipleship mean? What does it mean to be a disciple? You know, the Old Testament only mentions the word disciple a couple of times. And that is in 1 Chronicles 25 and in Isaiah chapter 8. However, the New Testament uses a form of the word disciple or discipleship over 260 times. 233 times we see the word disciple or discipled or discipleship, right? We see it 233 times in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The other, you know... Times that the word disciple or discipleship is used, we see it in the book of Acts. I'm gonna ask you a question. If a word is used over 260 times in the Bible, do you think that word is important? I I think so. (laughs) I think so. I think it's something that we should talk about and probably we should keep on talking about. It's not something that we should talk about and then just put it away on the bookshelf and say, Oh, yeah. I've been there and I've done that. No, it's it's something that we should stay in. Discipleship is important. As a matter of fact, I want to answer those questions as best I can um, in, in definition, but more so in Scripture. So, who is a disciple? Let me tell you who a disciple is. A disciple is a follower. A disciple is a follower. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus calls Simon Peter and his brother Andrew by simply saying this. Here's what he said to Simon, Peter, and Andrew. He said, Come, follow me. That's what he says. That's the words he used to invite Simon, Peter, and Andrew into kingdom ministry with him, into fellowship with him. He said, Come, follow me. And then the Bible says, At once they left their nets and followed him. To be a disciple means to be a follower. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, listen to what Jesus said. Whoever wants to be my disciple, that's the word the Bible uses, must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Who is a disciple? A disciple is a follower. That's very important. That's how it starts. But a disciple is also a learner. A disciple is a learner. In Luke chapter 6, verses 39 and 40, Jesus, he asked this question and then he he answered it with a statement. He said, can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. So a disciple is a follower first. But a disciple is a learner second. In other words, when we follow Jesus, we follow Jesus with the intention that we are going to learn from him. He is the teacher, and we are the student. He is the master, and we want to hear what he says. We want to see what he does, and that leads me to the final part of who is a disciple. A disciple is a doer. A disciple is a doer. In Luke chapter 6, verse 46, Jesus asks another question. He says, why do you call me Lord and do not do what I say? Do you know how many times people say, oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, I go to church. Oh, I'm a disciple of Jesus. But guess what? They ain't doing nothing. They, they ain't doing what Jesus did. They ain't saying what Jesus said. They're not living how Jesus lives. You know what they are? They're lying. (laughs) First of all, they're lying to themselves. And secondly, they're lying to you. If they aren't doing what Jesus does and they aren't saying what Jesus says, if they're not living like Jesus lives, then they're not followers of Jesus. They're not learners of Jesus. And they're certainly not doers, which is what a disciple is. That's how I answer, who is a disciple? A disciple is one who chooses to follow the teacher because the teacher has invited them to follow. A a disciple is one who is set on learning from the teacher, growing and developing and exercising like the teacher with the intent to be like, to live like, and to love like the teacher. So if you want to know who a disciple is, those are your passages of Scripture. Go and look how Jesus calls the disciples to follow him, And what it takes to be His disciple. So then the next question is, what is discipleship? If we are disciples who are following Jesus, learning from Jesus, and doing what Jesus does, how does that define us? What is discipleship? Well, here it is. Discipleship is actively participating in ministry and modeling the life and the love of Jesus Christ through the application of God's Word. If you say that you are a part of discipleship, then what that means is, is you're not just hearing what God's Word says, you're doing what God's Word says. You know where we find that in Scripture? The book of James. Isn't that what he says? He says, don't just be hearers of the Word, but be what? Doers. Who is a disciple? A follower, a learner, and a doer. So if you are a disciple, then you are in discipleship. You are participating in discipleship. You are modeling the life of the teacher, the life of Jesus Christ, and the love of the teacher, the love of Jesus Christ. And it's God's Word that gets you there. I love Pastor Robbie Gallaty. He's the pastor of Long Hollow Church in, right outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Listen to what he said about discipleship. He said, making disciples requires equipping, training, and investing in the lives of other believers. It is intentionally equipping believers with the word of God through accountable relationships that are powered by the Holy Spirit of God in order to replicate the life of Jesus Christ. That's a pretty good definition of discipleship. I'm thankful for that definition that Pastor Robbie Gallaty gives us. And so we could dig a lot deeper into who is a disciple. We could dig a lot deeper into what is discipleship. But what I want to do is I want us to go to the Scripture because the Scripture makes it very clear who a disciple is and what discipleship is. So let's look at it beginning in Acts chapter 18, this very first verse, 23. This is the first verse we're going to look at And it tells us about Paul. It tells us about the disciple Paul and his heart for discipleship. Look at it. Acts chapter 18 verse 23. After spending some time in Antioch, Paul set out from there and traveled from place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Strengthening all the who? The disciples. Now I love this. Because we know, listen, this is Paul's beginning of his third missionary journey. That's what this is. We've already looked at the first missionary journey and the second missionary journey. Now we're looking at the, the third missionary journey. And so listen, Paul had a heart to reach the lost. you know what that is? That's evangelism. When you want to reach someone with the gospel of Jesus Christ because they've never said yes to Jesus, that's not discipleship. That is evangelism. Discipleship is about believers. And so Paul, he definitely had a heart to reach the lost, evangelism. But he also had a heart to strengthen the believers, and that is what we call discipleship. And we see it right here. Throughout his missionary journeys and throughout his letters to the churches, what do we see Paul do? We see him revisit many of the places where he first shared the gospel. As a matter of fact, he wanted to go back to all the places he didn't get those opportunities, but the opportunities he did get to go back, he took it. He took it. He went back to those places. And sometimes we see him stay in those places for extended periods of time. Why? Because discipleship mattered to Paul. As a matter of fact, you know who Paul was? Paul was a disciple making disciples. That's who he was. He was a disciple, a follower a learner and a doer of Jesus Christ. And he was strengthening the believers. He was discipling believers. He was a disciple making disciples. Now we take a little bit of a break from Paul and we come to this guy named Apollos. So look at this passage with me. Verses 24 through 28. It says, Meanwhile, A Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the Scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor, and he taught about Jesus accurately, though he only knew the baptism of John. In other words, he only knew about water baptism. He did not know about spirit baptism. Now, that doesn't mean he's wrong or he's doing anything wrong. It just means he had only come so far in his growing and his development and his exercising of the knowledge and understanding he had. So, look at this in verse 26. It says, He began to speak boldly in the synagogue when Priscilla and Aquila heard him. So, here's a brother and a sister in Christ, right? We know that they are a brother and sister in Christ because we've already been introduced to them by Paul in the book of Acts. And so here they are. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him into their home, and look at the next words, and explained to him. They explained to him. You know what that means? That means they instructed him. That means they taught him. That means they encouraged him. They explained to him the way of God more adequately. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. And when he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. For he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the Scriptures. In other words, what did he use? He didn't use his opinion, did he? No, he used the what? He used the scriptures. He used the word of God. It says, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. So let's look at Apollos for just a moment. Apollos was a disciple of Jesus Christ. He was a learned man. He he was a man who had been trained in the way of the Lord. He was a man who was already preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we know that he needed strengthening. And we've already seen Paul doing that, right? Paul was a disciple making disciples. And it said in verse 23 that Paul went around the churches that he had already planted. And what did he do? He strengthened the, the disciples, the believers. And so now what we see is we see Apollos, who is a disciple, but he too needs strengthening. Luke tells us that though Apollos, he only knew the baptism of John, there was another baptism that needed to be taught. It was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It was when you put true faith and trust in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit seals you. And tells you who you are. You are a child of God. And then the Holy Spirit fills you. And you are able to be gifted by the Holy Spirit. And you are able to bear fruit of the Holy Spirit. We see that on Sunday nights, don't we? The Unwrapping the gifts of the Spirit. We see that in the book of Galatians. The fruits of the Spirit. Listen, you and I, we, we, we have no gifts of the Spirit apart from the Spirit. Okay? Now, we may have natural talents But supernatural gifting comes from a supernatural power, and that is God through the Holy Spirit. So don't ever confuse your natural gifts with spiritual gifts. Did you know that nowhere in the Bible does it say singing is a spiritual gift? Did you know that? Did you know that nowhere in the Bible does it say playing an instrument is a spiritual gift? Now I want to stop and give praise to God right now for our praise team. Because we are blessed at Start Baptist Church with some incredibly talented and incredibly gifted singers and musicians who have chosen to use their natural abilities given to them by God to glorify God. But spiritual gifting is different than natural gifting. And what we see is that discipleship, right, it matters and Teaching the Word of God matters. And so enter Priscilla and Achilla. Notice that they did not call out Apollos in public. Notice that they did not call out what he was teaching or why he was teaching or what he was missing in front of anybody. What did they do? It said they listened to him. They heard what he was saying. And then at the conclusion, what did they do? They invited him where? Into their home. And in their home... We see it. They encouraged this brother in Christ. But not only that, they adequately told him even more about who Jesus Christ was, more about the word of God. And I love that. Many theologians, they agree that Priscilla and Achilla taught him about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and even more, filling in any gaps there might have been in his teaching. Another pastor that I love to listen to, another pastor that I love to read is Pastor Tony Merida. He's got a church there in North Carolina and that's one of my favorite states. I, I've always said one day when I retire I'm going to move to the state of North Carolina. Uh, hopefully Tony Merida's still preaching because I'll just go to his church and let him preach to me. But anyway, Pastor Tony Merida, this is what he says about Priscilla and Aquila, who are disciples. He says, Priscilla and Achilla demonstrate humility and compassion in addressing Apollos, but they also demonstrate a conviction to disciple. In other words, they could have sat there and looked at each other and said, "He's pretty good, but he's leaving out an important part." Uh, why don't you tell him? Well, no, it's not my. Why don't you go tell him? Well, no, they didn't wait around for somebody to help Apollos. What they did was they looked at each other and said, "This man is on fire for Jesus." And, and, and we can tell him even more about what we've seen and heard and what we've learned through Paul. We can tell him that and, and, and he can use that to, to preach the gospel even more vigorously, even more fervently. And so that's what they did. But they did it with humility and compassion and they did it with conviction. So I, I love the way Pastor Tony Merida describes them. Do you know who Priscilla and Aquila were? You know who they were? They were the same thing Paul was. They were disciples making disciples. They didn't wait on Paul. They didn't didn't wait on Paul to come teach Apollos. No, they were where God wanted them to be, and they taught Apollos. They were disciples, followers, learners, and doers. They were disciples making disciples. I hope I'm not making you nervous yet. I hope I'm not making you squirm yet, right, Because many times, do you know what we do? Well, uh, that's Brother Jeff that should be teaching them. Or that's my, let me get them to my Sunday school teacher. My Sunday school teacher should be be helping them. I'm going to tell you something. You better go look at Matthew. You better go look at Matthew chapter 28. We're going to look at it in a minute. So just hold hold your horses. Here's what you do. Say, Brother Jeff, you hold your horses. Okay? I, I love this. Apollos... After he had been encouraged, right? After he had been discipled by disciple makers. The Bible said he wanted to go to Achaia. He wanted to go to Achaia. And the Bible says that when he went to Achaia, what was he? He was a great help to who? Other believers. Did you see that? He was a great help to the other believers. It says he helped them Prove from the scriptures that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. So guess who Apollos became? Anybody want to take a guess? What have I been saying? He was what, Miss Kathy? A disciple doing what? Making disciples. That's who he was. Isn't that pretty cool? Like, this is very clear. Paul was a disciple making disciples. Take Paul out of the picture. Here comes Priscilla and Achilla, and guess who they were? They were disciples making disciples. Who did they disciple? They discipled Apollos, and guess what the Apollos became? A disciple making what? Disciples. Let me ask you a, a question. Do you think discipleship matters to God? Do, do you think being a disciple and being a disciple maker is pretty important? I do, cuz God don't waste words. Me, me and you, we waste words all the time, right? You're probably saying, "Brother Jeff, you could shorten your sermons up a whole lot." And I could. But I ain't perfect. And neither are you. But I'm going to tell you something. God don't waste words. And so when God says something in Scripture, He means it. And and, and when He says something in Scripture, not only does He mean it, it matters. It's important in the kingdom. It's important in eternity. And, And so now we come back to Paul. All right? So let's dig into Acts chapter 19, and let's see the overflow of disciples making disciples. Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 12. And I'll read this as quickly as possible without trying to fumble my words. All right. Acts chapter 19, verse 1. It says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples. Now, notice it doesn't say disciples of Jesus. It just says some disciples because here's what I want you to know. In the Bible, there the Pharisees had some people called disciples because you know who Paul used to be? He used to be Saul. And you know who Saul was? He was a disciple of the Pharisees. So yeah, there are disciples who follow other people and other groups. As a matter of fact, look at this one. It says, he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, right, on hearing the full gospel, On hearing this, the Bible says they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Those are gifts of the Spirit, by the way, and we're going to talk about both of them tonight. So come back at six o'clock. All right, let me get to verse seven now. Verse 7 says that there were about twelve men in all. Verse 8: Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months. Arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. Notice he wasn't arguing his opinion. He was arguing the kingdom of God, the word of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. Now that word, the way, that was an early church word used for Christ followers, Christians. It symbolized Jesus and Jesus' followers, his disciples, the ones who followed him Learned from him and did what he did. So it says they maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had daily discussions. Do you see that? Discussions daily with them in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years. That's important. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. That's another gift of the Spirit, by the way. He did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Ain't God good? Man, God is good and God can do the extraordinary through the ordinary. Because here's the truth. You and I, the Bible says, as God's children, we're His special possessions. But in an earthly way, you know who we are? We're just ordinary men and women. We're just ordinary people. But thank God, an extraordinary God has called us, has saved us, has enabled us, equipped us, and empowered us to do extraordinary things. And we see that in the life of Paul. Now this passage, Acts chapter 19 verses 1 through 12, this is a passage of scripture that many theologians and Christians debate. And the question comes up, were these 12 disciples truly saved before Paul got there or after Paul got there? And here's what I want to tell you, who cares? Because they saved now, right? Look, I have beat myself up trying to prove the answer to that question. And I do have my opinion, and I do look at the Scriptures and say, well, based on the Scriptures, here's what I believe. But in the big scheme of things, they're saved now, and that's all that matters. Right? So focus on the main thing. But here's what I love. I love what Dr. Tony Evans says. He says, what we have to remember is that the book of Acts chronicles a unique transition stage After the death and the resurrection of Jesus, as different groups came to believe the gospel, their reception of the Spirit came later when an apostle was present. And this Spirit showed the unity of their lives with other brothers and sisters. And so what we have to do is we have to look at the context of the book of Acts. This is the first time that we see the coming of the Holy Spirit upon believers. And what we've seen so far in the book of Acts is that God was using the apostles, right? The apostles to be present and to lay hands on people when the Spirit fell on people. Okay? So that's why I say I can't really give you a definitive or clear answer where these 12 disciples saved before Paul or after Paul. But what I can tell you is they saved now. They saved now because it says they believed. and They were baptized by the Spirit. And here's the thing. Right, God used Paul as a vessel of his Spirit, but Paul didn't baptize them with the Spirit. God baptized them with the Spirit through his vessel, through his disciple, Paul. And so what did Paul do? Here's what Paul did. Paul helped move these 12 disciples. He helped move them from being disciples of John... Being identified by John and John's baptism to being identified as disciples of Jesus. And that is so important. Listen to me. I believe there are so many people today, so many people today, they get caught up. Listen to me. I love Dr. David Jeremiah. I love Dr. Tony Evans. You've heard me this morning. I love Pastor Tony Merida. I love Dr. Warren Wearsby. I can tell you about a lot of preachers and theologians and teachers that I love to listen to. But here's the thing. If I start looking up to them and I start putting them on a pedestal, I can very easily fall into idolatry and make them my idol. That can happen. Churches do that with their preachers. Sunday school classes can do that with their teachers. They can begin to idolize their preachers or their teachers and they can begin hanging on every word their preacher says and their teacher says and never once, never once going to the Word of God and seeing what God says. That's why I tell you all the time, don't take my word for it. Take God's word for it. That's what we've got to do. And so Paul, he helped move them from being identified as disciples of John to being identified as disciples of Jesus. That's why I say there's no reason to debate whether these people were believers before or after because all that matters now is that they're believers. And I believe they're with Jesus today. Amen. I do. I believe they're with Jesus today. God sent Paul to them, and Paul asked them a couple of spiritual questions that got them to Jesus. You know what discipleship is? It's pointing people to Jesus and helping them grow in Jesus. That's what it is. That's what discipleship is all about. Dr. David Jeremiah says this, these disciples were representative of many people throughout the Mediterranean world who were at various stages of their spiritual knowledge and understanding. One thing I can say is that being an almost believer ain't enough. Did you hear me? And I think that's, again, this is my opinion. I think the church is full Of a bunch of almost believers. I'm going to tell you something. Being an almost believer in Jesus. Is being a rejecter of Jesus. And if that offends you. I'm not sorry. Being an almost believer. Makes you a rejecter of Jesus. Because the Bible is very clear. There is no other way. To God except through. Jesus Christ. What does he say in John chapter 14? I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. There is no other way to the Father except through who? Jesus. He doesn't say law. He doesn't say church. He doesn't say mom and daddy. He doesn't say through your ministry team. He doesn't say through your title, preacher, deacon, teacher. No, he says through me. And so there's a bunch of almost believers out there. Oh, they've heard some good words. They've heard some good testimony. They've seen some pretty cool things. And they'll even jump in and be a part of that. Hey, I'll serve food on Sunday night. That's, that's, man, that, that makes me a believer. No, it does not. No, it does not. Oh, I'll go to, I'll go to Brother John or Brother Joey's Sunday school class. Or I'll go, I'll go to Miss Marty's Sunday school class and, and I'm a believer. That doesn't make you a believer. You know what makes you a believer? When you repent of your sin and you say, God, I'm guilty. I'm a sinner. I deserve your wrath. All of it. I deserve hell. I'm the one who deserved the cross. I'm guilty. I repent of that. I turn from my sin and myself and I turn to you because I know you're chasing after me and you love me and you created me in your image and you sent your one and only son, Jesus Christ. He is the only one. The Messiah. He is the one who died on the cross for my sins. He is the one who raised from the grave and defeated my sins and death and I believe in Him. You can clap again. Clap. That ain't for me. That's for Jesus. That ain't for me. That's for Jesus. Too many times we sit around and go. Ah, but when we at the LSU-Arkansas game and LSU kicks the winning field goal, we jump up. Woo! I speak from experience because that's what I did last night. But when we talk about Jesus, it's like, yeah, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus. Something's wrong with us if we can't get excited about Jesus. And about the mention of His name. And about what only He can do. Jesus is the only one who can save me. And guess what He did? He did. And I said yes to Him. I said yes to Jesus Christ. And there ain't nothing nobody can do about that. Nothing. Because my God says, my God says that when you call upon the name of Jesus, you shall be saved. That's what God says. One of the reasons... You heard me say this, one of the reasons I believe these men were almost, almost believers is because of what Paul says in Romans chapter 8 verse 9. Listen to what he says. He says, you however are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. He's talking to believers. He says, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So you can wear the Start Baptist Church shirt. You can sign your check, made payable to Start Baptist Church. You can have your name on that pretty blue piece of paper that says Sunday School Roll. You can have all of that. But if Christ ain't in you, you ain't Christ. If Christ ain't in you, if the Spirit of God has not baptized you and indwelled you, you ain't a Christian, which means you ain't a disciple. You're not a follower. You're not a learner. And you're definitely not a doer. That's the Word of God. That, that's what the Word of God says. And so Paul, you know, he preached Jesus Christ. He was an evangelist, yes. Uh, yes, he shared the, the love of Jesus Christ, the life of Jesus Christ. He, he was a witness to what Christ had done to himself. Look what God did to me. God can do that to you and through you and for you. So he preached that salvation message, but he always came back, didn't he? Or tried to. He always came back to make sure that they were growing in that salvation. Working out that salvation. Exercising that salvation. Disciples making disciples. And so here's what I love, right? The one thing that matters about this passage I just read to you is that these 12 disciples experienced the Holy Spirit baptism. They experienced the Holy Spirit baptism. So all the debate can end. They are believers in Jesus Christ and they're walking in the Spirit and they're bearing fruit of the Spirit in them. That's what I believe. Paul continued to share the gospel, right? He went into the synagogue and the Bible says he shared the gospel. And what happened? How did the people respond to Paul sharing the gospel in the synagogue? We see some words, don't we? One word we see is obstinate. In other words, they were hard-hearted. Hard-headed and hard-hearted. And I'm going to tell you something. If you're hard-headed, it's because it started in your heart. You're hard-hearted before you're hard-headed. But they usually go together. And so they were obstinate. It says some refused to believe the gospel that Paul preached. And some even maligned the way. In other words, they attacked Christ and Christ's followers and the Word. And we see, right, Paul, what does he do? He shakes the dust off his feet and leaves them. And that's, that's biblical, by the way. you see what Jesus says in Matthew. If they will not listen to you, shake the dust off your feet and go on to the next place. And that's what they do. And guess what? He takes those 12 disciples with him. You want to know why? Because he looks at them and says, you know what? You matter. And what you know and understand and what you exercise matters. So let me keep on pouring into you. And let me ask you a question. How long did he stay with those 12 disciples? Two years. Listen to me. Discipleship ain't some four-week class. It ain't some four-week class. That's a good start. That's a good start. I ain't knocking, you know, discipleship classes. But discipleship costs disciples something. It costs us something. It costs us time and energy. And sometimes it costs us resources like money and supplies. And we see that. In life's Paul, Paul discipled these 12 believers for two years. He did not leave them high and dry. He did not say, well, now you're saved. The Spirit will get you the rest of the way. Y'all be good. Don't get me wrong. The Spirit could and would do what man won't do. But God uses believers in the lives of other believers to encourage them, to love them, and to disciple them. That's what He does. That's what He's doing right now through me to you. Some of you prayed over me this morning. Some of my brothers prayed over me this morning. That's discipleship, strengthening another believer. And what does the Bible say? The Bible says that God continued to do what? Extraordinary things through Paul. I'm going to tell you, when you do things the way God says do it, something good's coming. Something good's coming. God displayed incredible power. Through his servant Paul. Paul made so much of Jesus that Jesus made a lot of his handkerchiefs and aprons. Huh? Think about that for a second. He was, he was spitting and, like me. <laughs> preaching hard. He was sweating. And I, you don't want to come up and hug me right now because I am soaking wet. Right? But it's holy sweat. I, I ain't lying. What did, what did God do? God took the aprons and the handkerchiefs of Paul. And people touched it, and what does the Bible say? You tell me, what did the Bible say happened? It said they were healed of their sickness, and demons were gone. Don't tell me God can't do it. When you surrender to Jesus Christ, and you obey Jesus Christ, and you exercise His life and His love, when you are a disciple making disciples, God's going to do some extraordinary stuff through some ordinary people. Little short, bald headed guys. Right? If he can use me, look, if he can use a donkey, he can use me. That's not me. The Bible says he spoke to a donkey. Still doing it today. If that doesn't make discipleship and disciples matter and important to you, listen to Jesus. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make. Okay, that's weak. Therefore, go and make what? Disciples of all nations doing what? Baptizing them in the name of the Lord, right? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, baptizing them in the Lord. And doing what? What's verse 20 say? And teaching them. Teaching them. Teaching them. Not just saying, I hope you get saved. Let me tell you how. Bye. Stay with them. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Listen to me. Being a disciple and being a disciple maker is not some good idea or some good opinion. It is the command of Jesus Christ to those He has saved. It's not just to the preachers. It's not just to the Sunday school teachers. It's to anyone who is a follower of Jesus Christ. A follower, a learner, and a doer. We are all called to be disciples and to be disciple makers. As a matter of fact, as disciples, Jesus, he commands us to be disciple makers. What does that mean? That means we share the gospel, evangelism. Uh, baptizing new believers and teaching them, training them, encouraging them to obey His commands. Discipleship matters. And you as a disciple, you matter. If God puts you in a place, if He puts you in front of a person and His Spirit stirs you, to talk to them about the Word of God, to use the Word of God to pour into them. Do it. Do it. Don't say, well, somebody else is better qualified. That's what the world does. Right? Let's do that right now. Do you think Paul was better qualified from a worldly standard than Priscilla and Achilla? I would say yes. Because how many letters of the Bible did Priscilla and Aquila write? None. How many did Paul write? A bunch. So from a worldly viewpoint and a worldly standard, we could apply that and say, well, Paul was the one that needed to be doing the teaching. Right? The discipling. But what we see in Scripture is that's not the way God works. See, here's the thing. The spirit that baptized me, if you repented of your sin and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, guess which spirit baptized you? The same one. The spirit that gifted me, is the spirit who gifted you. Isn't that pretty cool? The same spirit. So don't say, oh, I'm unqualified. I'm ordinary. I don't have a title. Satan loves that. He loves that. Because what he'll do is he'll get Brother Jeff so busy that he don't get time to go to that one that you should have talked to. He'll take the Sunday school teacher and get the Sunday school teacher so wrapped up in this over here. Right? Right? that the Sunday school teacher doesn't get to talk to that one that you should have talked to. And Satan will continue to try to keep them in darkness when they could have very easily been ushered into light. You do know who you are? You ready for this? You've heard me say it a bunch. And I'm going to end it right now. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. You know who you are? You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're God's chosen people. You are God's special possession and you know why you are? You know what you're supposed to be doing with your life? You are supposed to be proclaiming the praises of the one who called you out of that darkness and into his marvelous light. Period. And it ain't got nothing to do with the title. Nothing. Everybody in this room, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you should be what is called a disciple. Who is a disciple? A follower, a learner, and a what? A doer. A doer. Not someone who watches doing, but someone who participates in doing. And if you are a disciple, then that means you should be exercising, participating in what is called discipleship, encouraging and being encouraged by other brothers and sisters to grow in a relationship with Jesus Christ so that you will look more like Jesus Christ and less like yourself and less like the world. Amen? Acts chapter 18, verse 19. It's got all the discipleship training you need when you, when you come behind it with Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Because this ain't Brother Jeff asking you, and this ain't Brother Jeff telling you to be a disciple and be a disciple maker. I'm just pointing you to Jesus. Look at what Jesus did, look at what Jesus said. You decide. You decide.